Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi, everyone. It's Matt Young from The Story Chunder, and welcome to another Chunder Chat. As always, we come to you from Brisbane, Australia, uh, the land of the... Turbo and Yagura people, and we are speaking today to Becky Ho, who grew up in Brisbane and has been studying acting in New York for the past few years, uh, but is back here because of COVID-19. So enjoy our chat with Becky Ho. So hi, Becky. How's it going? Hi. It's going all right. Yeah. I'm keeping myself entertained during this self-isolation period, and yeah, yeah been uh, reading a lot of books. Watching movies, all that sort of thing. I watched um, Jeffrey, which is this movie, um, this gay rom-com from the 90s, <laughs> set in New York yesterday what? with Patrick Stewart and Brian Batt and Stephen Weber and like all these really, Christine Bransky, Sigourney Weaver. It was really bizarre, but kind of exciting because I hadn't yeah. seen it for like 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to add it to my list. I have like a, like a notes list of movies that I need to watch on my phone and I'm slowly making my way through that list. So what did you watch yesterday? What did I watch yesterday? Yesterday I didn't watch any movies. I watched TV and I just started um, Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet on Apple TV. It's so good. It's really funny. It's about like these um, people designing like a game, you know, one of those like video games, Grand Theft Auto kind of thing. And there's a there's an Australian girl in it, and she uses her real accent, and it's pretty cool. Okay, do you know her? I don't. I don't know no. her personally, but you know, I feel like I just read about this. I feel like they're maybe going into production for more of it, or yeah, yeah I feel I like I read about it in the trades recently. Yeah, it only came out in like May or something, and I think they've been renewed for season two already by Apple TV, which is pretty cool. Awesome. Cool. All right. But enough about everybody else. Let's talk about you. (laughs) So you're an actor um, and you are originally um, a Brisbane person and you've been living in New York. um, Mm -hmm. And so tell us a bit about like, you know, who you are. I suppose I should be reading your biog. Um, So just tell us like some some highlights of what you've been, you know, what you've been acting in for the past um, couple of years. And then tell us anything else. Yeah, so I moved to New York City two years ago to attend um, the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, which was an acting school that I got into, which was super exciting. And then I did 
uh, after I completed that, I was like, oh, now I found the thing that I want to do for the rest of my life. How do I keep doing it? So I applied because I have a bachelor's degree in nutrition and dietetics that I finished before I went over to New York. And because I have a bachelor degree in America, that makes me eligible for a master's degree, no matter what your bachelor degree is in. So I applied for grad programs in America and I got into the Columbia University MFA acting program, which was really cool. So I've been, that's kind of where I'm at in the moment. I'm in that journey of completing my MFA, but through my time at Columbia and um, time at Ada, I've been very fortunate to play some really great characters. I played, um, we did a production, my final production at Ada, I played Hero in Kentucky, which mm. is um, about this uh, Japanese American woman trying to kind of find her place. She has to go home back to Kentucky, hence the name of the play. Um, yeah. And kind of she kind of goes back to who she was when she was in Kentucky and not she had previously, she had moved out and become this really successful um, businesswoman in New York. And she's had to come back home and deal with basically all the stuff she ran away from, which was really cool. Um, and the playwright actually came to see that play, which was really yeah. awesome. And I got to talk to her, which is lovely. It was, it was nominated for a Pulitzer, wasn't it? Ooh, I'm not I sure. Feel like the, it I feel like it was really that. like when it, when it first appeared, it was really like lauded mm -hmm. by the, you it know, by the awards. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a really fun like, play. And who's the playwright? Uh, uh, Nia, Leah Nanako Winkler. Okay, cool. Yeah. And she just lives in New York, so she came to see the show. She lives in New York and came to see the show, which was awesome. That's so awesome. Well done. Cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, at Columbia, I played a bunch more and got to do some new plays as well, which is really cool. And what did you have to do? To, like, what do you have to do to get into a MFA acting program? I mean, I have no idea. You, it, basically, you have to um, prepare. They say two monologues, but everybody knows when they say prepare two monologues, you got to prepare four because you need backups. <laughs> so technically, you only need to prepare one contemporary and one Shakespeare. But everybody knows if you're going to prepare one contemporary, one Shakespeare, you need to prepare for backup contemporary and a backup Shakespeare. So I prepared four monologues. Um, and that's like the main thing you have to do when you go in an audition. But other than that, you have to like, there's a bunch of paperwork and you usually have to write um, kind of a letter saying why you wanted to go to grad programs and what about that grad program appeals to you. And when, so like, this is gonna sound ridiculous maybe, but did you use your natural accent when you, um, when you auditioned? I did. An American accent or something else? Yeah, I actually, I use, I ended up doing the contemporary piece that, um, the two contemporary pieces that I prepared was technically supposed to be done, like they're set in America, so they're supposed to be done by, you know, American accents. But I did them in my natural accent because I knew that, A, that's who I am. And that's what grad programs, like, I felt dishonest showing, like, if I didn't come in and be my natural self. And then on top of that, doing an accent for me, I've gotten a lot better at it, but it, it's just another thing that I have to think about. And that was the last thing I wanted going into these very scary audition rooms. And I was like, I just want to make sure that the work is good rather than worrying about whether my accent is good. Yeah. You know, that's funny. I was listening, um, the union here had a talk with, um, I don't know if you were on that 
chat, you might have been, um, with a casting agent from LA and he did 13 Reasons Why. And yeah, somebody yeah, asked him about whether they should use an American accent. And he was like, you know what? He's like, I don't really care. He's like, just, he's like, I want to know who you are. And I want to see that you have the essence of the character. He's like, mm -hmm. so, you know, for me, do it in whatever accent you're comfortable with. I <laughs> you know? And if it's your natural <laughs> accent, that's fine with me because we'll hire a dialect coach for you. Totally. <laughs> like, I, ask, <laughs> I ask every casting director that I meet, like, what do I do? Do I go in the room with an American accent or do I go in natural? And most of them say, go in as who you are. And if you have an American accent written down as like on your skills, on your resume, then they're like, then we know you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of yeah. No, I think that's so interesting. And something that's really changed, um, you know, like five years ago, you know, when when all the Aussies, when all us Aussies, well, I have an American accent. <laughs> but, you know, when we were going over there, it was like this whole, like, you know, you have to go in, you have totally. to be, you know, what you're going to be on the thing. And now it seems like that's starting to change a little bit, which I think is interesting. Because, yeah. um, you know, because I do a little bit of casting as well, and I do a lot of coaching mm -hmm. um, US accent. And so, because one, another casting director, um, she was like, you know what? She said, it's not fair to us if we don't know that you are Australian to begin with. She's like, because then if it's television, we might want you on set next week or within two weeks, right. especially for the season. And if your paperwork's not in order, then we're yeah. screwed. You know what I mean? We've invested yeah, all this time in you. Fair. And you haven't let us know, you know, she's like, so it's, she said, so, you know, sure, do the scene in your American accent, but do the slate in your natural accent. So that it just gives us a heads up, you know, if we, if we're going to move on to like, you know, that next step. So I, that's great. I love it. That's interesting. Cool. All right. So, um, so now we know a little bit more about you as an actor, but you grew up in, um, in Australia, you grew up in Brisbane. Yep. Okay, cool. And, so then what what was it like when you're like hey i'm going to new york was there like i know the people yeah. freak out or <laughs> a little bit because i it was really weird i present as such a and i am such a homebody and it's like i like being at home i like um you know my comfort zone sort of thing but when i was like but for some reason i was like but i am going to move to new york and i'm gonna do this acting thing like i knew that and it really came as a shock to a lot of people because they're like, but you're such a homebody and you don't even like going out. I was like, I know, but it like it didn't equate to that in a way. And I and I a lot of people told me, like, that's a really brave thing to do because I don't have any family and I don't I know no one in America. Basically, I was literally going on my own um, without kind of help. And uh, people were like, I, like, that's really brave, aren't you scared? And I, it never was something that I like that clicked to me because I wanted it so badly. So it's just like, well, that's the thing I'm doing. I never considered that it was difficult in a way. I, it was just like, that's what I want to do. So that's how I'm going to do it. And that's the way to go. So, um, cool. but yeah, I grew up in Brisbane. Uh, I actually started uh, as a dancer more than anything else. I was that ADHD, undiagnosed ADHD kid um, <laughs> at home that didn't sit still, that never stopped moving. And I was watching the Wiggles as a toddler, as you do in Australia. And my parents are like, you know, she's actually doing exactly what the TV is. Like, she's she's got the moves. She's she's doing it. Okay. So they put me Just in before dance TikTok. Yeah, right? This was the original TikTok. as a toddler in front of Wiggles, learning the moves. <laughs> and um, on top of 
almost every extracurricular activity because I had so much excess energy. They're like, we need to do something about that. So they put me in dance, they put me in gym, they put me in like swimming and all that. But dance was the only one that stuck because I seemed to have a natural gift for it, at least for like a toddler. And it was one that I really loved to do. So I grew up, basically grew up dancing. Like every day after school, I would have dance. I couldn't go to a friend's house and I missed out on going to parties and blah, 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 because I was like, no, I have rehearsal. Like I, I can't go. And dancing was the thing that I loved. And, you know, I was racking up, I don't know, something crazy. I think at one point I worked out, I was doing like 40 hours of dance a week on top of school, but always school. But in my family, school always came first. So when it got to a year 11 and 12, um, I had to, I wasn't allowed to do a Stedfords, which is like the big draw to dancing because like they're fun competitions where you get to put on the costume and you get to go on stage and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was during that time that I worked out that like dancing was starting to lose its shiny factor for me. I just wasn't loving it as much anymore. And I loved, I worked out, I loved being on stage, but I wasn't quite sure whether dancing was the thing for me anymore. Like I still love it. And like to this day, I still love it. But I was like, oh, is this like, is this it? There's like this, what I, and I was looking at, you know, as I was growing with everybody else and I was like, I'm five foot three. So I'm looking at like all the tall leggy dancers in my class going, that's just not going to be an option for me. Like, I'm just not going to be a beautiful cruise ship dancer with the long legs and the beautiful lines. Like, that's just not who I was going to be. And I've got the wrong body for a ballerina. Plus, I didn't love ballet. So I was like, oh, all right. So I took a step back, A, because I had to for school. And that was a really good moment for me to be like, hmm, is dancing really what I want to do for the rest of my life? So I tried a bunch of other things. So I was like, well, I don't dislike dancing and I clearly love being on stage. So I just need to find like another creative outlet for me. And yeah. I turned and I ended up doing a cup, like a screen class. And uh, I really worked out. I really liked that. So I was like, hey, maybe dancing isn't the thing, but this acting thing seems like a lot of fun. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll give that a go. So, you know, after year 12, I auditioned for all the acting schools in Australia, you know, WAPA, NIDA, all of them, I got rejected from every single one. So I was like, ah, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll continue in uni. And I, because I didn't really know what else I wanted to do, I did a bachelor degree of nutrition and dietetics, which is four yeah. years long. And yeah. literally during that time period, I just kept like training and I took singing lessons and I continued to take dance and I start and I was taking these screen acting classes and I was like no I think acting is the one that's speaking to me the most so yeah. I come to the end of my bachelor degree and I did the first round I did the round of acting schools after year 12 and I was like maybe it's time to do the circuit again after uni so I did all the acting schools in Australia plus one in America which was called the American Academy of Dramatic Arts because they had actually come to Sydney for their Australian tour or whatever. I was like, all right, I'll just put this America one on the list. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But like, you know, just a bit of fun. I got rejected from all the Australian ones, but I got into the one in New York. 
<laughs> that's that's great. And and we're gonna talk about that because I want I want you to briefly recall your story that you told on the story tender. Um, but yes. before I ask you to do that, because this is a nice segue, um, I just want to say that I think that we um, are kind of really similar um, in that, like I wasn't so much a dancer, but I was like a, like a community theater performer. And mm -hmm. then like when it came to that point of like wanting to move to New York, like there was just no question. I just like, yeah. I mean, from like small Broadway, town. Because like Broadway, like it's yeah. just in a pub. Like where else yeah. do you want to be in the world? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's still like my dance identity is a really important part of who I am as a performer. And I think interestingly enough for screen acting, um, I think there's a lot of correlation because dance is so technical and screen acting is so technical. You know, that there's, I, I do think that if you have a dancer brain, it can be very helpful for screen acting. I don't know, that's just a theory. <laughs> <laughs> I'd support All right, that so theory. Pardon? I'd support that theory. Yeah, good. Sweet. All right. So now tell us uh, just really briefly about the story that um, you told on the story tender, because we'll play it again at the end of um, the episode when this becomes a podcast. Yeah. But, so, but it did have to do with your dance training. It does. So it was all great. I got into acting school and I was over the moon, moved to New York, did the whole thing. And I was doing these movement classes where I was like, yeah, this will be this. I danced the, my whole life up to this point. I was doing 40 hours a week. This should be, this movement class should be a breeze. Turns out it wasn't. And I was really bad at them. <laughs> <laughs> because it involved standing still for like uh, two hours plus. And if you can remember at the beginning, I think I'm an undiagnosed ADHD child. So that story did not vibe with me. <laughs> I was like, the hell is this? This is movement and I have to stand still. And then we had to do this thing where we put on this neutral mask. You put on this weird ass mask, I'll be honest. And I had to pretend to wake up on the beach, see the ocean, see the bird that died and came back to life. And that was like this exercise weird that we had to do that I still don't understand to this day. But yeah, so basically I thought I'd be great at movement. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> Well, it's a great story. And I mean, I love even when you were just talking about it just then, like you got like so activated and perhaps frustrated. Perhaps it was a scarring moment in your life. It's one I remember vividly. Yeah, cool. Um, great. And then um, I mean, is there any follow up to the story that we don't know? Um, like, have you had to do movement classes in your MFA program yes. or? Is it yeah. the same or different? It's totally different, which is great. I love movement now, which is good. So that relationship turned over because because at Ada, after we did that mask thing, we had to do the elements where you had to be like fire, water, earth. Again, did not vibe with that. <laughs> I didn't understand that at all. It was basically me running around the class and she was, my teacher was yelling at me, you're not fire. And I was like, I know, I don't know what to do. Um, but it's great now. I love movement is taught differently in my MFA program. And it's, it feels so much more grounded and so much like there's a purpose to it. I felt like an Adam. My problem with it was I was like, I don't understand why we're doing any of this crazy stuff. But yeah. now I have an understanding of why we're doing this and how it's all about instrument expansion and um, yeah. to, to open you up to be able to have more possibilities in your work. So I yeah. love it now. I well, and I think New York's a really interesting place for that. I mean, like Susan Batson, or even if you go back to um, 
you know, Anne Bogart and, um, you yeah. know, that. I've actually uh, heard of Anne Bogart. She's really cool. Oh, I'd love to meet her. <laughs> cool. And she's yeah. on the faculty at Columbia, where I do my MFA. She's technically on the director's and the director's stream, but a couple of our classes overlap with the directors and whenever we have stuff to do with the directors, Anne Bogart comes along and I'm always like, hi. I know, right? <laughs> weird person. That's like, what do I do? She apparently um, directed, I think it was Anne who directed um, a production of South Pacific at NYU um, undergrad. And it was all, um, it was all, do you know South Pacific, the musical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's about this woman, Nellie Forbush, who's like a nurse in World War II in the, in the South Pacific campaign. And and I think it was Anne. It might have been Tina Landau, but I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Anne. Because um, they're partners, but I think it was Anne. Um, I don't know if they're still partners. They used to be. Um, and she started the whole thing with the Nellie, with like everybody on the cast in Nellie Fulbush wigs, you know, like with the blonde sort of. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Kind of going, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love for like a half an hour because it was supposed to be like her post-traumatic stress disorder recollection oh. of, you know, that's why it was a musical because it was all like PTSD. Right. <laughs> and that's the, um, and the Hammerstein, the Hammerstein Foundation closed it down before it opened. <laughs> I would not be surprised if that's something Anne did. That sounds very like her. <laughs> cool. Um, so, uh, you know, and I'm so interested in um, in that because I work with um, Kim Ferrant here in Australia and, um, and we do like a lot of movement. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's borrowed from a lot of different things, but I mean, it's funny, my friend Claude Jabour, who was on State List for the ABC, um, right. he, he described his audition for State List as dancing for two days. He said, yeah, I've been dancing for the past two days because no of the way. work that we do, you know, with Kim, which right. is all sort of movement-based. So I love that as a dancer, like, Again, I'm always finding like teachers that speak to that. And even when I'm teaching actors, you know, I'd like to work with people that have some sort of a dance background or that have a comfort in their body anyway. Because um, again, that just speaks to me. Cool. Yeah. So is there anybody else who inspires you? Or what, like, or what, 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 why did you want to become a storyteller? Like, what does that mean to you? Right. Oh, there is. I, get, I think about this a lot. There's like not one particular person that I was like, yeah, you're the reason I want to do this whole acting craziness. It's more the, like, there are a bunch of people I look up to. I look up to, um, I think Carrie Mulligan is an incredible actor. I think I, I actually just watched an education for like the first time uh, a couple weeks ago, which is just incredible she's and stunning she was, she's stunning and like that she was only like 21 or 22 when she did that movie and the work that she did in that movie was incredible and like so and she does a lot of theater stuff and i've now kind of gone i think and like i being i like being on stage and like i do love like film and tv and that's why i did those screen classes but like since going to acting school i'm like nah, theater's the thing. that's like why i'm in new york theater's the thing it's the lifeblood and like, and Carrie Mulligan like switches back and forth between like, she'll do like some movies and then she'll do like a Broadway play. She did Skylight and got nominated for a Tony for that and stuff. So I think she's, I think she's just an incredible actor in general. Um, I just, I really like actors who are like unapologetic in their work. 
like they they do these crazy things that not necessarily but like they stand behind it and there's totally a reason behind it all those are the actors i am drawn to so like mm. another one would be jake gyllenhaal i think he's fantastic and like yeah. continues to amaze me with the stuff that he does yeah um, yeah and he does a lot of stage as well. I mean, that is interesting, mm -hmm. isn't it? That when you look at, I don't know if you watched um, Streetcar with Gillian Anderson. No, um, I didn't. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> it's so good. And Ben Foster, like Forster, like cr like all the actors in there are crazy, mm -hmm. but a lot of them have done film and television as well. And it, so I, I do think that's really interesting because um, those actors that can sort of switch backwards exactly. and forwards between the two because you know, because it is a different medium, I, you know, and they're, they're, you know, it's funny, I was going to say there's different skill sets, but I tell this to, you know, I teach a lot of actors that started as stage actors, and they want to do on camera work. And I'm like, well, if you're doing TV, especially if you're doing something like long form Netflix, it's kind of exactly the same, <laughs> like, you need to bring, yeah. like the same energy, the same vocal energy, you know, to, to that sort of medium. I mean, maybe for film, it's a slightly different uh, storytelling element, but you know, it's it's interesting to me how much, especially since we've had the long form, you know, like the streaming mm -hmm. sort of stuff, like Killing Eve. I mean, you know, Sandra, and I don't know if you've ever watched that documentary about her training. It's all yeah. physical training. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's just interesting to see how the styles have changed a bit um, in the past yeah. five years for me as like, you know mini older series and miniseries are beginning to be like really like popular and there are a lot of them now which didn't used to be the case which is again like that long form you know long story sort of situation which is close mm -hmm. to theater because you know you do the full performance sort of thing exactly yeah and it's that moment to moment work yeah and you're able to take like really big risks when it's moment to moment you know what i mean when it's when it's you don't have to tell you know like in a film it's a two-hour story so you need to sort of negotiate the, the uh, yeah and I was also listening to um, Sherry Sevens, uh, who's a, a Sherry Sevens, who's an Australian actor, and she was saying how like when she she's doing an episodic show, and so she needs to like read the whole set, the whole episode because if she goes for it in like her first scene, she's like, well, what the hell am I going to do in scene three, four, yeah. and five? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. So what's next? When do you do you know when you're going back to New York, or do you know what the story? Is? I what's next for me is that my I just finished my first year uh, in May uh, for Columbia. Um, I should be starting my second year come September. We're not quite sure what it's going to look like, but um, I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think um, the governor said today that they're looking at like July to sort of start opening up the city again. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm. I'm hoping to get back to New York, but. Again, I don't, I can't make any firm decisions at the moment. And is um, there online learning happening? Yeah, um, it's during the yeah. And I think it'll likely be online come September anyway, just for safety reasons. Yeah. Um, so worst comes to worst, I can stay here and do midnight classes. But you're in the, but you're in the course. But I mean, I know that's the thing. I was like, as long as I can't get kicked out, I'm good. <laughs> Like, and can you get kicked I out? Like, I keep like 
my head of my head of department is probably sick of me. I'm like, you can't kick me out, right? This is the whole thing. I'm like, once I'm in, I'm in. That's it. Like, why are you so worried? Like, I worked so hard to be here. I'm not giving it up. That's so funny because you know, I I think that you probably know in undergrad degrees. I mean, both in the U.S. and I think it might even happen here in NIDA. Is you sort of it's like a cut program you get to the end of your year and they sort of either advise you to leave the course or that you can stay i couldn't do a cut program that's too much pressure <laughs> no right and like it's acting school is the time that you can be bad like that's the time for you to work out like how to you know to be bad to be bad and so you can work out what doesn't work so you can do what does work because like you know it's harder to do bad work once you're out in the big world because all of a sudden people see it and you're going to be judged. Time, the time to do really bad work is in acting school. So with the cut program, I don't, I wouldn't be taking the risk to possibly put up bad work. You know, I would, be, I would be taking so many less risks than I currently am at acting school. Yeah, that's interesting. I was pretty fear. I did an undergrad in uh, music, yeah. music, and I was pretty fearless. And I was watching a cut program, but people were advised out of it. So um, right. you know, people were sort of said, well, maybe you should go into casting or stage management or, you know, <laughs> or, you know, another area. <laughs> I yeah, don't know anyone who can thrive in that environment. I just don't think I'm one of those people. Yeah, when we finished, I think we only had like eight or 10 people that finished my, my program. We started with about 30 or 40, yeah. And people just sort of like self-selected themselves out of it or, you know. Yeah. Like a lot of it, like I know a lot of it with um, cut programs are kind of self-selection. It's like, well, clearly you're the people who don't do any work. So like, can you really be expected to be asked to stay when you don't do the work sort of thing? But yeah. still, I think I, I just don't think I'm the kind of person that would do well in that environment. Yeah. Well, and I'm so excited for you speaking now. Now I'm speaking as, you know, your elder or whatever, um, because... <laughs> You know, the people that I finished NYU with, um, like, or were, were in NYU with, um, Jen Pesamonti uh, is a Broadway producer. She did Rock of Ages. Adam Epstein did Hairspray. <laughs> Jeff Marks wrote a show called Avenue Q. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, then other of us, have, you know, continued to be, you know, actors. You know, a lot of people in Broadway shows um, or screen actors. I did a show with Julie Benz, who is on... Um, Oh, that murder show with um anyway julie's like someone who's always around and it's just kind of like so it's exciting like i i can't wait to see for you you know like where you go but also where yeah. your colleagues go yeah that's exciting all right and if we want to um follow you on social media or whatever can we do that um uh, my only one is on instagram which is becky ho 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 underscore we're all watching it okay cool all right, sweet. Well, um, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to say before we go? Um, no, I'm pretty. How do you feel? I feel pretty great. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that was awesome. That was. I love talking to actors. Um, you know, and it's funny because I sort of started the story chunder so that because I find like for actors, like one of the hardest things is that like winning the room. You know what I mean? Like going into the room and it's like, so what are you been up to? You know what I mean? And like you sort of just have to be you. And it's like, and it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot easier to just be behind a character, you know what I mean? Like from, you know, and I totally. play, 
I mean, I'm pretty transformational with the work that I do. Like I use accents a lot and um, in physicality, obviously, because I'm a dancer. Yeah. And so it's like sort of like learning how to just be me and and feel that there's value in that, you know, I think is um, a big lesson. So, um, yeah, so anyway, so, but I also wanted to make sure that the story turned that it wasn't just all actors, that we had, you know, visual artists, that we had choreographers, that Sweet we had, um, we've got a cabaret artist coming on on Monday. Um, uh, you know, a filmmaker and like all this sort of stuff. So, There's so yeah. much, so many artists and so much art in the world that everybody has stories about it. Well, and it is all storytelling. I mean, you know, it's, no matter yeah. what you mean. No matter what yeah. you do. Cool. All right. Um, and maybe we'll see you on Monday. Maybe. I still have a slot, so we'll talk about that. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> and, um, and otherwise, uh, thank you, Becky Ho, for coming back on and having a bit of a chunder chat. Of and we're going to play. Yeah, yeah and we're going to play your story, like I said, um, so people can hear about the bird. <laughs> the bird. The freaking bird, man. <laughs> All right. Well, take care of yourself. And um, we will see you um, potentially on Monday, but we'll um, have a private discussion about that. All right. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> take care, Becky. Bye. Bye. All right. Oh, and don't forget, um, if you like this, um, or even if you didn't, go to thestorychunder.com um, and check out what we're doing. Um, there's also an opportunity for you to donate some money to the Story Chunder so that we can continue, because of course this does take, it's a labor of love, but also it's nice if we have a little bit of money to, you know, cover all these costs and give our storytellers a little bit of, um, a little, a few coins for telling their stories. All right, so thanks again. It's Matt Young from The Story Chunder, and this, when you're listening, this will be Becky Ho's story. Okay, take care. Bye. Great, yeah, so I moved to New York City two years ago to attend this really prestigious acting school. That's the alma mater of like Danny DeVito, Paul Rudd, Robert Redford, Grace Kelly, really great actors, and I was like, this is it. This is my time. I'm in New York City. I'm living the dream. This is the place where I learned to become an actor and I learned the craft. And this is the place I'll learn how to be able to transform myself into any character that I want to. And to the school's credit, I did learn those abilities. But some of the methods to get there, I have a lot of questions about. Because what no one tells you when you sign up for an acting school or get in is what acting school is actually like. So, I mean, like any school, we took a variety of subjects, acting, scene study, voice and speech, all of which I loved. I have questions about the movement subject that we took, and I'm going to talk a little bit my relationship with movement. Um, so... As you've already said, I have been dancing my whole life. I started dancing when I was two years old, and I don't want to, like, toot my own horn or anything, but I always thought I was pretty good at it. I had a natural kind of ability. So when I found out that there was going to be this movement subject at this acting school, I was like, amazing. This is, this is great. This is going to be, you know what? This is going to be the subject that I'm known for. This is going to be, like, my thing, and this is, this is going to be the breeze subject, the one that I don't even need to think about. So, and then it turns out that my movement is going to be the first ever class I take at acting school. So I'm like, amazing, let's start this thing off with a bang. 
So gets to the first day, we're all waiting outside the classroom and I'm waiting in the, I'm kind of stretching and warming up in the waiting area, kind of showing off a little bit because I could. And I was doing like splits always. I was really, I was so excited. We get into the classroom, everyone's a little bit nervous, a little bit excited. And then the teacher walks in and you can hear a pin drop. Now my teacher, I don't know if you know Harry Potter, but my teacher kind of gives off major Professor Trelawney vibes. She has these like really wide eyes that get even wider when she gets really into something. And she has this kind of like mystical put on quality that's honestly a little bit creepy and a little bit disconcerting. <laughs> um, but here we are on the first day. I'm so excited. And the first thing she gets us to do is she's like, stand in a room, in this, find a spot in the room and breathe. Breathe from your pelvis. Make it feel yummy in your pelvis. And I kid you not, we stood and breathed for the entirety of that first class. All we did in that class was stand and breathe. I thought I was going to be moving in a movement class. But no, the class is two hours long. For two hours, we stood and breathed. So needless to say, movement and I got off to a really rocky start because I hated every second of that standing and breathing stuff. So finally, when we were allowed to move, we moved on to this thing called the neutral mask where you kind of put on this kind of, it's like a blank mask. And because of that, you clearly don't have any facial expressions anymore. You're not allowed to talk. And the only way to express yourself is through your body. So I was like, okay, I really didn't like that standing and breathing stuff. But maybe this mask stuff will be the thing that I'm great at. Expressing yourself through your body. That's all I've done for like my whole life. This, yeah, this is going to be the thing. So I get like a little bit optimistic about this whole new mask thing that we were doing. And our teacher says she's going to put us through this scenario. And I was like, okay. And then I hear the mask goes to sleep. So I was like, great, I'm exhausted from standing and breathing. Let's, let's take, a, take a quick nap. So I'm lying there on the ground and then I hear the mask wakes up on the beach for the first time. And I start to actually get like really into it. I'm like, yeah, okay. I can feel the sand beneath my fingers. I can hear the ocean. I can smell that salty, salty water. I can feel the breeze. I can feel the sun caressing my face. And then I hear the mask walks towards the edge of the beach. And I'm like, okay. So I stand up, I'm walking, I can feel the sand still beneath my feet. I can feel the waves gently touch my toes and I'm looking out at the horizon. It's blue sky, blue water as far as the eye can see. And I'm really, really getting into it at this point. And then I hear there's a bird on the right. And I'm like, yeah, great. Why not? So I conjure a little bird, this little red canary and he's there and I'm watching. And then I hear the bird flies to the left. Whoosh, there goes the bird. It does a little loop-de-loop. -loop. I'm, I'm still with it. The bird flies to the right. Whoosh, there it goes. The bird flies up. The bird flew up until it was a tiny speck in the distance. And then I hear the bird drops dead. <laughs> what? Say what now? I was completely pulled out of whatever I was in. And I had one of those dawning realizations that come on you and you're like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> like, what? What? This is insane. This is, this is insanity. This is ridiculous. And like, 
I seem to be the only one who's clocked that because everyone else around me is like crying over this dead bird. I'm like, everybody, you do realize this is ridiculous. This is, this cannot be happening. So I just like, and I'm in this mask. So I just like blankly stare at my teacher and she calmly stares back at me. And because this scenario is not done yet, she looks at me and says, the bird wakes up. And I'm like, great, this thing is still going. And, and she's like stare, and I think she's clocked that I'm like, so done by this point and she's looking at me she's like yeah yeah the bird died the bird fucking died and fucking came back to life it's a big deal and i'm like okay and because i still have to participate in this thing i'm like swatting away at this dead zombie bird that's just <laughs> resurrected itself in front of me and i think she notices that i'm about to like lose it so she's like the bird flies away and i'm like yeah see ya. peace out birds see you never i'm done and that's my story and lucky for you we get a bit of bonus becky because becky was able to come back on the story chunder this past monday and here is the story that she shared i'm going to tell you of the most embarrassing moment of my life thus far it happened when i was nine years old i'm pretty sure so I had, this is a, and it's a big moment in my family when this happens, but I had convinced my parents that I was sick and couldn't go to school that day. And the reason this is a big moment in my family is because both my parents, my dad's a doctor and my mom's an ex-physio. So they're both involved in the health industry. So if you can pull off that you are sick and can't go to school that day, that's a big deal because my parents are like, oh, she's vomiting, she can go. <laughs> like. If I could pull off that I was too sick to go to school, that was a big deal. So I was very happy I'd managed to pull that off that day. Um, so that left, and my brother, I have a younger brother who was at the time too young to go to, go to school. So if I was nine, that makes him four years old. So he and my mom, my dad had gone to work and my sister had gone to school. And it turned out that day, my brother had a swimming lesson. And so my mom was like, oh, well, she has to come with us because she's a nine-year-old child and can't stay at home alone sort of thing. So I went along to my brother's swimming class. And this is, you know, one of those preschool swimming classes where basically they're just trying to teach you how to blow bubbles underwater sort of thing. But I went along and I remember it being a really hot day that day. And so, you know, what looks really good on a really hot day is a cool swimming pool. So I had this thought in my head that was like, you know what, if I just walk along the edge of the pool where they have that kind of great thing where the water goat flows into, then I can get my feet wet and maybe the bottom of my pants wet and I won't feel so hot. So I, and I was like, and I had the perfect guise on how to do it is because they put all the kids in that class on this little platform sort of thing. And they give them a bunch of toys to play with while they take each kid out on the paddleboard or whatever, on the kickboard or whatever. So I was like, you know what I'll do? I'm going to walk along the edge of the pool to get the toy that my brother really wants and give it to him. So it doesn't look like I just want to walk along the edge of the pool because I'm sick. So I go to execute that plan and I have no idea how this happens, but I end up falling into the pool. <laughs> Straight up fell into the pool. I, yeah, the next thing I know I'm swimming to the edge, like, and I'm fully clothed, obviously pretending to be sick. And I swim to the edge and it was 
so embarrassing because these are like, you know, this is a preschool swimming class. All of the parents of the other kids are there and the swimming teacher that happened to be the swimming teacher that I had as a kid. So she knew who I was and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just soaking wet. And then I had to sit next to my mom who was probably furious at me and I'm sure has worked out by this point that I'm definitely not sick. Um, I had to sit next to my mom, completely drenched for like the rest of that swimming lesson. And like, and then of course I had to go home and had to tell my dad what had happened that day. It was just, that's, that takes the cake for the most embarrassing moment of my life so far. <laughs> Thank you very much, Becky Ho. This has been Matt Young for The Story Chunder. Here at The Story Chunder, we are committed to telling diverse stories and we believe that black lives matter. <laughs>